welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. All right, welcome back to Fracture Line, everybody. Today we're honored to have on Dr. Zach Warner. Zach, we're really excited to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get started, we always like to have the guest host kind of introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your practice, and where you are right now. Yeah, no, really appreciate the opportunity. I'm excited to be here today. I've, um, I've been a member of Chestwall since 2021. Um, I'm at the University of Kentucky as an assistant professor of surgery, division of trauma, critical care, and emergency general surgery. And did a lot of my training here in Kentucky. As somebody who grew up in southeast Kentucky, this still sort of feels like home to me. Came here for training in undergrad, medical school, stayed for residency. I uh, spent a little bit of time in Los Angeles to do my critical care and trauma training. So I spent two years in L.A. from 2017 to 2019 and have now been back here as faculty uh, for the past three years. Really a broad practice and um, what I was drawn to is the fact that I get to do something different every week. And um, I, I have uh, the opportunity to have an elective practice but also to, to just sort of switch each week and to, to sort of focus my efforts where they're needed. and. I uh, really have enjoyed being back now as faculty and have had the uh, fortunate opportunity to get involved with the education program. I just took a job as the associate program director, um, working toward the trauma medical directorship with an associate job there and just really trying to get involved in as much as possible. And CWIS has been no different. So I was fortunate to, to be invited to become a member of the organization. Um, I do have a little bit of a history with Tom White, so I, I knew about that beforehand. But the, the organization has really been welcoming sort of even apart from that. And I think that um, I think that um, have really been impressed by just uh, the collegiality, sort of the welcoming nature and just uh, like a, a chance to do something like this sort of as a, a pretty early member of the society. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your history with Tom White. How did this guy suck you in? Yeah, so I, I like to blame Tom White for really everything in my life. In <laughs> he gets credit for, I think for me too. So just put my name on the list of um, you know perceived indiscretions at the hand of Tom White. Um, he, he and I met in the Dominican Republic in 2009. I was a first-year medical student and uh, joined a medical mission group that really had no leadership and we were assigned to his team. And so a couple of my classmates uh, spent a week with Tom in the Dominican Republic and it's the first time I'd ever scrubbed in to any surgery and uh, he really sort of showed me uh, and I didn't appreciate at the time what he really did for a living, right? He was just a surgeon um, and really just sort of showed me <laughs> the impact you can have on somebody in just a couple of days and, you know, even just a couple of hours just to change somebody's life dramatically. And that really steered my decision towards surgery. And I, I, I sort of, I like to joke a lot about blaming him for the career, but really influenced me tremendously. And I think that the, the mentorship that was sort of indirectly provided um, that has really shown me, I think, uh, the career that I've, I've really been fortunate to, to come into. And I think that early exposure uh, really made a big difference uh, sort of in my, my line of thinking and sort of where I ended up today. Zach's giving me way too much credit, but I, it's not exactly how I remember it. I, 
I, <laughs> Zach and his buddies, you know, we he participated in some operative cases, but that was in between games of quarters and uh, chasing the nursing students that were there. And I really remember those two, those two activities. Uh, I think I held my own in the quarters game, though, if I recall. I, yeah, he, he, he did pretty well. I think that, you know. Yeah, Dominican beer, that, uh, that El Presidente is pretty good stuff, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's ice cold. But yeah, it, it was just, it was really, uh, it's one of the best things about doing that kind of work is you, the people that you meet who want to go do that kind of thing. And then to have Zach having us uh, have this relationship years and years later has really been gratifying. It's been great fun. So Zach, you've, you've had some excitement in your neck of the woods lately. Can you tell us a little about, uh, you know, what happened in Eastern Kentucky and, and, you know, are you guys recovering well and how did it impact your, your practice? Yeah, so it's I've been really fortunate that um, you know that my my sort of immediate family and loved ones have not been directly impacted as far as ever being in danger or um, you know having any loss of property. But um, you know I grew up in Southeast Kentucky, so my, my hometown was not dramatically impacted, uh, but our neighboring counties uh, tremendously so, um, and they were not as fortunate. I know a lot of you have probably followed the story, and I appreciate many of you who have reached out to me to sort of make sure that we're okay. Um, but uh, nearly 40 people were killed in that disaster and the flooding in the eastern part of the state and about 500 still are in congregate shelters. You know, they don't have um, access to power, water, food, um, or a home to go back to. And that's been sort of the, the most uh, troublesome part. Um, it's a really impoverished part of the, not just Kentucky, but of the, of the country. And I think for many, the, uh, the homes, uh, their homes are really the only thing of value that they had. Um, and now they're sort of stuck with just the clothes they had on their back the night that it flooded. It has not tremendously sort of impacted my day to day, um, apart from, you know, when I interact with my patients and talk about their disposition, you don't really appreciate that many of them are not as fortunate as us that, you know, as, as difficult as a day I might have in the operating room or taking care of patients, I still get to go home. And a lot of these folks now have nowhere to go. And so that, that has been a, a really difficult thing to try to navigate and thinking about, you know, do we just keep you here to get all this stuff done that we need because we don't have the, the support that you need, the logistic availability to get you back and forth from the hospital or to come for your follow-ups. Um, so that's, it's really changed a lot of what we've done. And unfortunately, we're already so burdened with, um, with clinical volume that, that that really makes it uh, difficult to navigate. And, um, sort of at the, I know that we've talked a lot about sort of uh, opportunities for volunteer work and um, uh, support, but I think putting things in perspective, FEMA's allocated about $40 million to housing relief down here. Um, when you think about that number, it seems like a lot, but it really translates to less than $8,000 a household, and that's about half of the number of homes that are affected. Um, so again, I'm not, not suggesting, you know, people that are listening uh, need to donate, but if you feel compelled and have the means, the Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief Fund is a is a really uh, I think it's a really valuable resource that can dramatically impact people that are just having to start completely over. So it's it's really sort of put um, put things in perspective here. And I think that at the risk of of sort of being a little bit too serious, um, it's uh, it's really shown me that you know uh, we've got it pretty lucky. And I think that to to be able to support people in whatever way we can. Uh, the fact that we've got the opportunity, that's really a, a, a privilege. Zach, can you uh, can you send me a link to that flood relief fund? I, I'd be happy to put it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be, that'd be wonderful. So, Zach, what do you do for CWIS? What are your uh, what are your leadership roles uh, within CWIS itself? 
Yeah, so I got to join the board of directors in, uh, this year, actually, as the secretary treasurer. Um, that's afforded me the opportunity to be a member of the executive committee, the, uh, the development committee, and the infrastructure committee. And it's, it's really been uh, very enlightening. Um, I think that I've gotten to see um, a group that's, that's really, that's, you know, a close-knit, I think, sort of group, but uh, managing a real, uh, a real big enterprise. And um, I think that the, the impact that C was able to have and sort of this, this core leadership group that I've been able to join, it's, it's really amazing. I think that uh, the reach that sort of a small but dedicated number of people can have uh, for a cause they believe in. And that, that to me has been really what sets C was apart from so many other organizations is that it's, it's really, a, I think, a concentrated, focused effort. Uh, it's not sort of the dilution of responsibility is not a thing here, right? You're, you're not able to sort of disappear and hide. And I think that that makes the society really productive. Um, and I think that that's why it's been such a successful uh, group. And really, I've, I've probably benefited more, uh, I think, from the clinical knowledge that CWIS has imparted on me because chest wall injury and um, you know, chest wall repair of chest wall injury was a small part of my practice, um, but uh, not a not something that my group captured. Um, I think that uh, we probably needed to now that we know sort of who benefits and now that that information is sort of um, I think able to be dispersed more widely through my group just because of my involvement with CWIS. And so I think that um, you know you guys may not feel like it, but sort of the work that you do every day, I think it has an impact on patients across the world. And um, I know that we're, you know, we're all friends and we all know each other, but uh, my involvement with the society over the past year or two, I think, has changed how we care for the injured chest wall in the state of Kentucky. Well, I got to wipe a tear from my eye here before I ask you the next question. Sarah, did you send him that? He's done. He memorized that script pretty well. It's not, it's not like he's not even reading it. You know? I know. It, 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 comes, I know. It, it, it comes as the welcome packet when you, be, yeah, when you okay. become a board exactly. member. Yeah. So, yes. Zach, along those lines, identify two or three things that you do. If, let's say you're going to do a rib case this afternoon. Two or three things that you will do or have done recently in the conduct of a rib case that you would not have done two years ago without having been associated with CWIS. What, what are some specific things that you've learned that have changed your technique or practice? Yeah, so th this may seem sort of a little bit simplistic to you all. I, you know, we always use re chest uh, CT reformat imaging to sort of get an idea of what the chest wall looked like. Um, but I tell you what's been more what's been more helpful to me is sort of the, the the heat map right that we use for the database and where you put fracture location to put that as a two dimensional sort of reference for the operating room um, and and that's it's a part of how we capture data with SID anyway but to to sort of see that and to be able to think about how I localize and repair the chest wall, that has been a tremendous improvement. And rather than saying, I got this idea of what the reformat looked like, I actually will have a representation of this is where that fracture is. Is it offset? Is it displaced? Right? Exactly what does that fracture look like? And so that has helped me um, in a lot of my, because I, I try to do a lot of muscle sparing work, which is silly as a guy who's just getting started, right? It just makes it so much harder. But I, I, I think that that has really allowed me to localize my approach. And when I'm in the operating room has allowed me to sort of navigate, this is where I am on the chest wall without having performed my sort of traditional incision, which would be a standard sort of thoracotomy, right? Where you count the ribs, one, two, three, four down. Um, it's, it's allowed me to be a little bit more directed and focused. So that, that has changed my practice uh, dramatically. Um, I think the repair of posterior fractures, 
we, the folks that train me a lot, um, you know, in training would just say, we just leave them alone, right? We just leave them alone. That They're hard to get to, right? There's, there's more muscle back there to sort of stabilize things. And I found that, um, that patients don't feel that way when you leave those alone. And um, so traditionally, I would just fix anterior and lateral fractures and leave the posterior stuff in, as it was. And I don't think that was the right thing to do. And I think that now seeing um, and being challenged a little bit by this group to why aren't you doing that, right? You're capable of doing that, and this is how. Um, I think that's been a huge impact. And then the, the, the last thing is the opportunity that you have with this group um, to sort of highlight your successes but also your failures, right? I, I had a case that uh, I needed uh, ultimately ended up taking some hardware out and was really didn't even know how to begin to think about doing that because I hadn't had to do it before. And I think that being able to present that case as a, you know, how, how would you all handle this as people have, that have done that for, you know, many, many years um, and, you know, the experience level and the ability to have some guidance um, because no one in my group had done that either. And I think that really makes you feel like you've got a partnership that you can reach out to and, and assure that what you're doing is not completely made up or, or sort of uh, off, the, off the reservation a little bit. That's fantastic. He spoke like he was reading something, just like you said, Tom. You know, Tom, Tom, last week, Tom said that Americans sound stupid and that the Brits sound intelligent. I'll tell you what, the Southerners are sounding pretty smart right now, Tom. This guy, <laughs> this guy is coming up with some stuff that's just feel, elo eloquent sounding. A little, a little bit stereotyped, man. Oh, just you, a little, you should you know. feel stereotyped. It's that, that bottle of Jim Beam under your desk there. Yeah. <laughs> Got, got me loosened up a little bit. Yeah. And you haven't put your, your artificial your teeth back in yet. <laughs> That's right. It's harder for me to talk with them in, so I just leave them out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Zach, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Sarah Ann, we'll move on to some updates. What do you got for us this week? Sounds good. We have a handful of things coming up. So case review is actually Wednesday, August 24th. So we're, we're just under a week. If you haven't signed up, please do. You won't want to miss it. Um, we have Journal Club on um, the 14th. Um, again, this one will be terrific. We're looking at um, Dr. Benjamin Oliver, a, an article that he recently published. Um, for those that are longtime listeners, he was on our fracture line. Um, <clears throat> it's probably been about a year ago now, but um, he recently published an article, and um, he and his wife actually recently um, delivered twins. So exciting things all around in, in his world, but we'll be having Journal Club um, on the 14th. You, you won't want that to go by without participating. And then we do have a CWIS webinar on September 20th um, that um, Dr. White and Dr. Froze uh, are going to be giving um, about incision planning. So that, that will be exciting as well. So a handful of things coming up in the next uh, next couple weeks. Um, I think we've mentioned, but but wanted to give a shout out for. We'll be having social events um, at the AAST as well as the ACS. So check out the newsletter for those details and uh, join us to uh, have some good eats and beverages and all those kinds of things. And look forward to seeing people there. Fantastic. All right, let's move on to the final stitch. Who's got one? I have mine. This is very specific and clear in my heart. The word is affidavit. It ends in a T. It's in the news a lot right now. It's not a D. 
We're just all gonna say it together. It doesn't matter if you're red, blue, purple, green. If you say affidavit, this is your opportunity to change. If you hear it in the news, immediately say it out loud such that anyone who is within the vicinity of the sound of your voice knows that you know the word is affidavit, not affidavit. There's no David in affidavit. There is no David. It is affidavit. Okay. All right. Thank you very little. I think I'm, I'm going to have to verify that because I'm not sure that that's right, but you know, I'll check. I'll check oh, it's out. verified. It's verified. I'm going to ask, I'm gonna ask my buddy affidavit if he's, if he's exactly. Right. Ask your friend David and he'll tell you it's an affidavit. I have one. Yes. I, I'm saying goodbye to a patient, not because the patient has expired or um, has has fired me, but a, a long-term, a patient came to me two years ago with a chest wall hernia and multiple non-unions. He came all the way from Mississippi. He basically moved to Utah. I'm flattered and grateful that he actually asked for my expertise. And I operated on him and he's had a host of complications and ultimately he's no better off than he was when we started a year and a half ago, but he's hung in there with me and I've hung in there with him. And even though we've had our moments um, we've developed a relationship that is pretty profound, and I'm I'm going to be sad to see him go. I, I've 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 exhausted my opportunities to make him better, and he's he's ready to move on with his life. And I'm just a little bit sad about that because he, he's he's I've grown to enjoy this this gentleman. That's my final stitch. All right, I'll go. I've obviously been away for a little bit, and I missed some important stuff. So my daughter's birthday was two days ago. I missed that and I'm really sad about it, but uh, she's nine. So happy birthday to my daughter, Quinn. Uh, I got my whole uh, command staff and a uh, whole bunch of soldiers to sing her happy birthday. And I was able to send that to her. <laughs> she's was, a regular listener. Yeah. yeah, she's a regular listener. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also my wife's and I's uh, 16th anniversary yesterday i missed that too and i love her very much and she's an outstanding human being so happy anniversary to my wife your wife actually is an outstanding human being it still kind of baffles me that she's stuck around with you for 16 years yeah. can you imagine that Pretty definition. i know I, I knowing your wife this well i'm still kind of baffled because is there a you know, she's She's pretty awesome. She she's outstanding. Just saying. She's yeah. And you know, me me gone for twenty days. She's still working, taking care of four kids, moving into a new house. You know, in a week or so. Like she's mm-hmm. she's pretty outstanding. Doctor yeah. Warner, what do you got for us? What's on your mind? You know, I, I just thinking about sort of this today and the the, the the involvement with chest wall. I think just challenging people to say yes to something different and something that's sort of outside of your your comfort zone or your norm. I think that I've, uh, I, I sort of had that advice early in my career of, you know, the first couple of years, just tell people yes and figure out how to get it done. And I have gained so many insights and so many great opportunities that I don't think I would have otherwise. And not just this society, but I think it's a good example of, you know, I, when I joined the board, I think I told everybody that I had a little bit of imposter syndrome because I, you know, I'd see all these names of the papers you read and now I'm sitting here with you. And I, I think it's um, without having said yes to the opportunity that Tom and Sarah Ann offered, uh, you know, we wouldn't be on this call today. And I think I wouldn't have the, the, the opportunities that, uh, that have, have sort of grown out of that. So just a, a challenge to people that uh, without trying it out, you're not going to know. 
That's outstanding. So true. Zach, <laughs> if you were oh, if you were British, goodness. I mean, you'd be the president right now as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, you just you got to got to overcome the accent just a little bit, but No, nah, man. Oh, hey, bacon, bacon. I helped. That's my favorite one. I love that. Oh, my Ain't first your last. That's my, that's my my That's right. <laughs> well, right. that was good awesome. It's good to see you all. Thanks. Excellent. Thanks, Excellent. Good to see you guys. Week.